So this whole hiring process and recruitment process is just a peak into the employee experience. In fact, the employee experience potentially starts from that first reach out. From yes. you, from you putting your resume in and applying to that job all the way to, you know, you are an employee, right? I mean, all of that's the employee experience. And so however you're being treated, if, you know, they're not responding, it's like dating. right? Courtship. They should be courting you hard, right? Hello. Maybe like, they're just not that into stuff. you, yeah, you know? Exactly. So, then, so exactly. that's how they're going to be, though, when you're an employee. They're going to continue to treat you like shit. Nothing magic happens when you get on payroll, except now you're getting paid to be treated like shit, as opposed to being treated like shit during the recruitment process <laughs> yeah, for free. You're listening to It Gets Late Early, a show about the experience of getting older in the tech industry. I'm your host, Maureen Wiley-Clough. Let's dive in. Welcome to It Gets Late Early. Today I have with me Lee Henderson, who is also known as HR Manifesto on the socials and has had a long and wonderful career in corporate America across a variety of different industries and types of companies, and also has this really fantastic social following now. You're a content creator, right? That's what I would say about you. Is that what Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I consider myself Should a content creator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mo, so wonderful to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you so much for, for joining me. I'm so excited to have you here. I think what I love about you is you have the breadth of experience and all this knowledge from having actually done the work at these companies across a sphere of different industries, right? But you also have this amazing sort of comedic take on everything and you actually put out there into the world what we are all thinking and cannot say. So that's just right. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's my honor to do so. I mean, I absolutely love it. I mean, it's, it's cathartic for me, right? So at least now <laughs> I have this therapeutic channel uh, as I do work in corporate, you know? So <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. So maybe share a little bit about your background and how you wound sure. up getting into the world of content creation. Absolutely. You know, so I am and have always been uh, an HR uh, professional. I'm an HR executive today. I've been uh, in HR for almost 20 years. Uh, so I've got a couple graduate degrees, went to business school. Um, I've worked for a handful of Fortune 100s. And so I have seen just the full gamut of the human experience <laughs> at work. I'll tell you what. Oh, you. Uh, yeah. So I do. I, I, I love that. I do have some street cred uh, on the socials, you know, that, hey, I've been in all those back rooms and I've experienced all these toxic leaders and CEOs. I've tried to coach them my entire career, you know. Uh, so I'm definitely doing the Lord's work in corporate, I'll tell you what. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you know, so, um, but like like so many, right, I, I am, I'm not immune uh, to the toxicity in the workplace, uh, you know, because I'm in HR, gosh, on the contrary. Uh, and so, you know, like many other when COVID hit and it was high stress and survival uh, of the fittest almost, my God, you know, uh, especially in the workplace, I found myself in a toxic work situation and, uh, and exited corporate, took a break and went straight to content creation. Uh, so at my core, I'm super artsy fartsy. I always have been. <laughs> I sing, I play instruments, I love comedy, I love art, I love museums, you name it. Uh, but you really can't be that creative, at least not in an art 
artsy way uh, in the workplace, you know, not a <laughs> PowerPoint corporate work- decks don't quite hit the mark. They you, really right? don't, you know. And so the second I wasn't, you know, preoccupied with work 24 uh, seven, you know, I went straight to that creative outlet. And I started writing a book. Uh, I'm 12,000 words in passion project. Hopefully I finish that eventually. You uh, but yeah, yeah. I started writing this book on, you know, surviving the workplace, just sharing, you know, all the tips and tricks uh, and experiences that I've, you know, that I've had in my career. And I thought I really need to test content for this book to see if it's, you know, approachable, applicable, relatable, you name it. And uh, at that moment, when I was thinking, what do I put this on? Uh, you know, how do I share this stuff? Someone sent me a TikTok. I didn't even have the app. <laughs> And so I downloaded the app. I know. What the hell, right? Uh, I'm a geriatric millennial. So I hadn't (laughs) been on the TikTok. Yeah, I hadn't been on the TikTok yet. Uh, But I was certainly watching them, you know. And so I downloaded the app. And that night I posted a couple videos. And uh, that it's been now two years. I just keep posting them, basically, you know. So. So yeah, you're like, you've gone through the trauma of COVID and you've taken a step out and you're like, I, I got to start testing. And you just started putting it out there. Good for you. Exactly. I I, if I found myself some boundaries. Uh, and so now I've been kind of sharing the same messaging to others, you know, so it's been incredibly fulfilling and and really the purpose of the content, because if you watch it, you may just see ah, it's snarky, it's cheeky, hopefully it's funny. Uh, but really, I have those a, things. Thank you. Thank you. But really, it does have a purpose. Right. So when I create something, I am I am either obviously coaching, like literally I'm directing (laughs) like at the camera and I'm coaching (laughs) or I'm low key coaching. Right. I'm showing you something cringy. I'm showing you something toxic, horrific. And what it does is it signals to folks that may be suffering in silence like, oh, my God, like, wow, like that's what I experience. And for the first time, a lot of people realize or recognize, oh, my God, that looks that looks horrific when I watch it. But I'm experiencing this in the workplace. But it's like my dirty little secret. I'm not sharing it with anybody. (laughs) I thought this was okay, But you watch it, you realize it's not, you know, so the the purpose of the content is to, you know, of course, a little levity, but really to connect people and for people not to feel alone. Right. Like that is so important for me, for people to recognize that what you're experiencing is not unique. I promise Right. As someone who has studied org behavior, like this is unfortunately what exists in a lot of workplaces. Right. So feel alone no longer and take action. Right. I have to tell you, that has been really nice for me. I mean, every single thing that you post pretty much is relatable. Right. I've had at some point in my career something that approximates that experience. And it's so brutal. And you know what? Sometimes you just want to know that you're not alone. And so you are validating that this happens, that it's not just you. It's not in your head. No more gaslighting. Right. Like it's legit. And so I really appreciate that. And I, for one, am someone who always try to tries to infuse some levity and a little bit of humor and lightheartedness into everything that I do, which I also try to bring to the, this podcast. And so you're an excellent person to do that as well. So, yeah, it is important. And I think it's, you know, that especially after COVID, we all are looking for these unifying experiences. Like we all felt so isolated and, and you know, alone that entire time. And so it's like, I, I feel for one that I, I have very deep PTSD from, from that era. So yeah. even these, these TikTok, you know, platforms, these social media platforms, like I felt like they really served their purpose in that time to make us all feel like we were still together in some way, shape or form. Of course, it also 
went the opposite way at, at many points as well, but we'll, we'll not get into that. But yeah, but it is, it is very unifying. And we, the majority of us have the universal shared experience of work, working, the workplace. Uh, right. Lucky if you don't have that one. Right? I know. Right. Not all of us are born rich. Right. So it's like, you know, the, a lot of us are working, you know, and, uh, and so it's wonderful uh, to have that connectivity in the socials. And to your point, especially during such a dire time as COVID, which, again, universal shared experience. Right. And so I think it did bring a lot of us together and it created this conversation uh, in a different way. Because, you know, one of the questions that I'm always asked is, oh, well, the, the workplace is so different now than before. Time out. No, it's not. Right. Because every generation coming in has its effect on the workplace. This is just happening yet again. It's just now we have social and it's just we see it now. Right. I mean, it's, it's just out there, you know, so it's all these conversations and quiet quitting and all this. This has all been happening since the, you know, the beginning of work. <laughs> but now we're just having these, you know, social conversations about it. It's more accessible to see it, you know, so it is. Yeah. And I feel like it's more it's more welcome. I mean, at least it nominally welcome yeah. in practice. I'm not sure how many corporations are thrilled about all this uh, authenticity <laughs> right. coming out there, but right. it's a, uh, it's now something that I feel is almost expected employees and, and hat tip to Gen Z on this. Like I feel as though Gen Z has been like, yo, like I will only Z. work I, exactly like hat tip, like good for them. Mm-hmm. Cause they have, they have mandated things that actually benefit all of us at the end of the day. So, I mean, greater flexibility, that's pretty cool for anyone, especially people who get older, right? And they have responsibilities, you know, maybe they have kids, maybe they have older parents that they need to work with and help through their lives, right? So it's like these things actually extend to other generations as well. So I'm I'm really grateful for the, I for am the Gen too. Z. Yeah, I mean, they've really infused this expectation of healthy boundaries and really the creation of a healthy relationship with work. Yes. And that's fascinating. And it's all because of what, you know, is important to them as a generation. You know, they've gone through wars and COVID and mass layoffs and financial crisis and and you name it. And that's going to have an effect on somebody when you watch your parent come home and they've been laid off or whatever. And that's what Gen Z has experienced. We have to remember that. And so they realize that, gosh, what a waste of my my life, my time for it to just all be work. Like, yeah. you know, like I shouldn't be, uh, you know, working, to, living to work. I should be working totally. to live. Right. And they're they're all about happiness and impact, you know. And, awesome. and to me, that's just like, wow, you know, because yeah. even as they're a geriatric so millennial, I mean, it's like <laughs> I was very work, 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 you know. Yeah. And, uh, Keep on climbing. More. Go up that ladder. <laughs> Exactly. You thought that was the only way. Uh huh. And and that's how we valued ourselves, right? I mean, that's like, you know, money, 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 money. And Gen Z's kind of come up like, oh, no, it ain't all about money. And it's like, oh my gosh, you're right. (laughs) I should have joy too. What? Exactly. (laughs) Can you have both? Oh my God. Wow. How cool. Right? Yeah, Love no, it's really, it's really true. I think, I think they're pretty awesome. And I feel like I we need too. to get away from that, like, you know, horrible classification of people in different gen- generations and like, oh, you know, that generation, that next, it's just such a thing that's happened over time. But, um, I'd love for you to tell me a little bit what you've seen in the workplace. Like, tell me about 
how you identify toxic cultures at work? Like what are some of the red flags that you can see maybe even before you join the company in the interview process? Yeah, no, absolutely. Great question. And, you know, it's one that I receive a lot, right? Because of course I'm on the socials talking about how to survive toxic workplaces. So of course the natural question is, well, what is toxic? And what's so fascinating, again, my opinion, I haven't done like official research on this, right? But, you know, my opinion is that toxicity is incredibly subjective. Uh, So people are always like, well, how do I fix my toxic workplace? And it's like, well, you can't fix what's not broken. Uh, You know, so, you know, a, a workplace in its design is working for somebody, you know, and that's why things don't get better or change, right? And so subjectively, you believe it's toxic because you don't fit there anymore. Uh, you know, your values are misaligned, right? It's not it's not the best place for you to thrive and be successful. But that doesn't mean it's not working for all those, you know, maybe, you know, narcissists or <laughs> sociopaths <laughs> that love backstabbing and gaslighting and whatever else to get ahead, right? Hit the uh, mark so for them. It's working for somebody. It's working for somebody. And the only person you can control is yourself. So again, you know, this idea of a toxic workplace, it really isn't cookie cutter. It's super subjective. Uh, But some of kind of the top things, you know, the signs of toxicity uh, would be things like weaponized gossip, right? Like a lot of backstabbing, bus surrendering, uh, a lot of nepotism, favoritism, a lack of equity, a lack of procedural justice in the workplace, a lack of distributive justice. So this whole theme of just inequity, uh, you know, just across the board on everything, you're going to feel that. You're going to be like, why not me? You're going to ask yourself that question. How did they, you know, get that? Why didn't I receive that? What the hell? Uh, That guy? Are you you kidding Are you kidding me? (laughs) Oh, the sour cream rises to the top yet again, right? I mean, it's just like that guy guy's a freaking idiot, you know? And so, so you're going to see a lot of that. And then there's also this, this concept of like psychological safety, as well as a lack of physical safety, even, right? So you're going to see just an organization that doesn't care, (laughs) right? There's no support, there's no safety, all the types of safety. Uh, You just don't feel valued as a human being. You know what I mean? And again, very subjective because that may matter to you, but that might not matter to your peer sitting right next to you. Right. So to them, it's not toxic. It's fine. It's working. It's a paycheck. Right. Uh, But to you, you're like, this place is toxic as hell. Right. (laughs) I mean, I can't get ahead and it feels ugly to be here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It is very it's an individual thing. It's an individualized experience, the workplace. And, you know, it's all just like a tapestry of different people. Right. So it's going to work for some people. It's not going to work for others. If you happen to be related to the CEO, that might be cool. You know, like, hey, it's just uh, if you happen to be a dude, maybe a white dude, that might be even better for you. Um, But it's just yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. But to your point, you have to be really sort of dialed into how you feel as an individual. And and I think I want to ask you a little bit about what you've seen with regard to age within the corporate workplace. Like, have you heard things from people who you've been coaching on toxic workplaces on this? Have you seen things from an organizational perspective? Like, how is age viewed? And particularly, I guess I'm very interested in older age, but I know that age bias and discrimination extends across the entire spectrum of ages because humans suck. So. 
<laughs> I know, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, they certainly can. Uh, and there, and there's bias. There's bias in everybody. You, me, everybody, right? It's just hopefully you're not you know, doing the illegal ones, uh, you know, uh, definitely not acting on it in the workplace. And if, and if you are, hopefully someone keeps you in check. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, there is a lot of biases naturally in any system, uh, with people, right. Uh, to your point, because people, people suck sometimes now where I've seen it, you know, in my career, it's primarily going to be in the younger employees, right? So it's very rare, actually, that most organizations are run as meritocracies where performance matters more than seniority, right? You heard and it here s- first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And so though I love those organizations because why not have a 24 year old executive? If they're the highest performer, they're the superstar and rock star. Everyone should be given their, their due, their chance, their opportunity on the basis of their performance. Right. And ultimately how they serve the customer and their coworkers and the clients and each other and the shareholders, whoever they're serving. Right. Uh, and so where you do, where I have seen, uh, a lot of bias is on the green, the young, the the kids, the kids. You, I still hear. I mean, you hear that all the time. You kids, you yeah. kid, the kids, yeah. the youngins, the this, the that, right? Uh, and that is not illegal. Right. So that's why that's very yeah. like open not in the protective. workplace. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, At least that, federally, it's not. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. People will have policies and whatever overarching and whatever. And hopefully it's not to a point where it's like the creating a hostile work environment with like bullying and abusive behaviors. But typically it's just in the verbiage and, you know, the the process, the policy, you know, like you will see that come out. I think that, again, in the organizations I've been a part of and, and, and across my peers and whatnot, we uh, we, of course, talk. Right. I, I'm well networked, you know, in HR. Uh, there are a lot of uh, protections, you know, for 40 and over. Again, we're talking U.S. And, and federal protections, right, to where you really won't hear that very direct language, the same that you would, you see what I mean, the, uh, with, uh, with, with the young, right? It'll be more indirect bias as like, that person gets paid a lot. Well, why do they get paid a lot? Oh, well, because they've been here 30 years. So perhaps it's time to exit or what, you know what I mean? So it won't be like, oh, that guy's old and we don't want him anymore. (laughs) It's, oh, we have a cost cutting exercise that we need to. So it's very indirect, sometimes perhaps even, you know, um, you know, not conscious bias, subconscious bias even, but it's typically like under the guise of something, uh, whether it's favoritism or it's financial, financially motivated, you know. Uh, but again, you know, it, it's still it's still bias. It's just they they make it sound a little sweeter, I guess. They try and roll it in sugar <laughs> or misdirect that Mary it's not Poppins about age. Mary Poppins that shit, right? They marry Poppins <laughs> that shit, exactly. You know, they make it a little more palatable and less illegal looking, you know? Yeah, so, yeah the but optics do matter. Yeah, all that bias exists uh, at both spectrums, the extremes. And then the middle, eh, no one cares about us in the middle for the most part, you know, depending on your industry. But yeah, like, ooh, those two extremes, you know, those are coming up constant. No, it's it's really true. So over the past few years, tech companies and all of corporate America has started, you know, giving a shit about 
diversity, equity, and inclusion, at least performatively, right? But what I found in my research is that actually 92% of these initiatives do not include age as a factor, even though at least for specifically tech, age is an underrepresented group in this industry. So I'm curious your thoughts on, you know, what can organizations do to increase their age inclusivity and bring those sorts of policies and procedures into their DEI initiatives? Wow. You know, I think that, uh, I mean, that's a great question. And I would say I'm totally aligned with you and the research just from my experience, uh, especially in the U.S. Uh, it is very much so color. And then I would say second, the focus would be gender. And I even would say that's a far second, in my opinion, uh, because we have a ways to go. And so age doesn't even hit the conversation. I'm not even kidding. I mean, it doesn't even hit the conversation 92% of the time, you know, just like a lot of the majority of the time, uh, we're not even really talking about that. You know what I mean? Uh, just because my, again, my opinion is that we have such a long way to go on, on all of them. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? There's such a long way to go on all of them. And since, you know, very few things are, I'd say, federally mandated, right? Uh, state mandated, regulated, you name it. Um, it's really on to an individual employer to create a policy, a practice, uh, something the, to put in their system uh, to ensure, you know, DEIB really for the organization across all the different points of diversity. Um, and so, you know, you ask the question, you know, how organizations can really even just start the conversation, you know, of, you know, diversity in the sense of age. And it's literally starting the conversation. Um, and and okay just to say it out loud. Recognizing, recognizing it, because again, just my experiences, that's not even on the table, right? Um, and that is because we had the 40-year-old, you know, thing uh, in the state. So it's like, then we don't even think about the belongingness just across the full sphere of ages. You know, it's, it's kind of fascinating in a way. Uh, we haven't got to the microaggressions or the micro inequities or, you know, because we're still flat out on the shit, we just need diversity in the first place. <laughs> we just need to be hiring different people even. Ah, we need to be more open to inclusivity. Ah, like we're so basement <laughs> in a lot of these areas. We can't even get to, you know, some of these, right? So it, it's fascinating. And, you know, what what an organization does, again, it's just a, a group of people uh, trying to figure <laughs> things out. They really align to the shiny things, right? They really align to what the headlines are. Right. Because leaders will need to respond to a headline because they have the expectation from their employees and shareholders or wherever to respond to something in the news. Right. And so what hits the news the majority of the time is, is going to be race. And so especially in the United States. Right. And so that's really what's driving DEIB initiatives in an organization. Again, subset of people that is reflective of a community. And that's what they're experiencing and that's what they're seeing in the headlines. Right. And so that's why that that is the core focus. And honestly, we are shitty at that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're not that great we, across all of them, like I mentioned, you know. Yeah, oh. we are awful. <laughs> yeah. You know, we have ways to go. I'll put that. We have opportunities. Right. I'll Yes. Say we, that really oh, there positive. we go. That's very positive spin there. We have opportunities for improvement, just like you would hear in, you know, a performance <laughs> review. 
<laughs> exactly. Oh, Coming from a Hispanic from female trying to survive <laughs> corporate. Holy shit. Oh, gosh. Know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's been, I mean, being, yeah, whew, it's, it's rough. It's rough out there. Hey, quick break here. If you or anyone you know are looking for a new tech job and you're aiming for a company that understands the value of experienced workers, sign up for our email list where we'll send you jobs from companies that we hand select as a fit for tech employees over 40. Go to itgetslateearly.com and add your email. Now back to the show. But I think to your point, you know, we do have, there is an element of people are going to do what is driven by news cycles and what is going to get views and what is going to get them, you know, the kudos or the accolades, right? They're going to need that to be a driving factor. And, and so, so far you haven't seen a lot of like smoking gun. Oh my gosh, this old person, you know, had a horrible experience. You don't see that as much and you kind of have to dig for those headlines. But what I found really intriguing is that in Silicon Valley and tech companies, there are 28% more age discrimination cases than race or gender, which is so fascinating to me because also, at least federally, you have less of a shot at getting anything out of that case than you do with race or gender. Because with, uh, as I found out, as I interviewed some, some attorneys, some employment attorneys on this topic, for age discrimination to be proven, it has to be the defining like smoking gun factor versus race or gender can just be kind of like a throw it in there. It could have been somewhat involved and that can be enough to actually have mm-hmm. you lose the suit. So it's interesting that there's a higher burden of proof that is required for anything age related. And, um, you know, I, I'm curious why that is, like how that's come to be. But I think that we have so much work to do to your point, like these other things, you know, this is the one thing we all share the age thing. And so Mm -hmm. I think maybe that's why it hasn't gotten focused because it's just kind of a natural progression. Like everybody gets there, right. If you're lucky um, and you make it and you keep breathing, which is cool. Um, So I think that might be it, but it's just, it's, it's interesting to me, like that this is something that I, to your point, I don't even think it's on the radar of companies because I can, you, you know, you get these, little promotional materials or you go on someone's website and you'll see a picture of their team. Right. And I mean, you can tell the tokenism in those photos. Like you see it, it's obvious. Yeah. So rarely it's do gender I gender and race. Yes. And yeah. so rarely do I see an different age, like a visibly older mm-hmm. person represented. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can tell you, I joined a company. Um, and I, <laughs> So looking for red flags through the interview process, you know, is one thing, but like if you accept a job thinking you've cleared all those, and then the first thing that you receive is literally a YouTube video (laughs) that is showing the first day of an employee at this new company. And it's a person who looks around about 20 years old, probably waking up in her parents' house for the first time and going to work and she gets there and there are pizza parties and karaoke and literally there's not even a single person over the age of 30, probably in that entire video. And I'm like, wow, what have I done? <laughs> Where <laughs> no, am I, I going? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. and that's the thing. Like it, it really, it's funny because it just doesn't even come up. Like no one, it's just not even on the radar. It's interesting. Yeah. And I mean, you know, really those, those sorts of videos and especially like the, uh, the recruitment videos and the things you'll see on, on websites, I mean, they are really targeted to attract like next gen talent, obviously, you know what I mean? Yes. And so, I mean, that really is 
from a biased perspective. I mean, that's exactly who they're trying to attract, right? There's always this full page on university and interns and blah, 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 but never any sort of mid-career leadership program or mid-career entry or late career or rehired pensioner or retirement returns or whatever. And that's this whole subset of the population that is still so, you know, uh, knowledgeable and with such expertise to share. And, and it's just such an untapped place, you know, from a recruitment and talent acquisition perspective for the majority of organizations and even just part-time work, flexible work, right. Which gets into, of course, inclusivity and DEIB at its core, right. Is, is is giving folks access across, you know, all these spaces that's, that's unseen. So you really do see those materials very, very targeted targeted uh, to that to that next gen, you know, exactly who they're, you know, they're trying to attract and who they want to hire, you know, and that labor is incredibly inexpensive. Uh, and, 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 and ironically, and ironically, though, it is a huge, um, I, I want to say the word drag just because I am trying to find a more proper word. But you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of work uh, for more senior employees, you know, to manage and coach uh, and training those employees totally worthwhile. Don't get me wrong, but it is pulling on the expertise of perhaps someone like me, you know, to be able to bring that person up to speed and along from an efficiency perspective versus like an awesome mid-career, you know, hire that can just come in and hit the ground running. And so you need both. You need pipeline for the future, but you also need expertise in-house. And so we shouldn't shy away from targeting mid-career and older, you know, talent. I mean, you need them. You need it all, you know? Yeah. Yeah you really do need it all. I mean, that's the whole point. Like it's Mm -hmm. uh, getting a a bunch of different types of people is going to make the outcome a lot better. Like we all know that we know that just, you know, just because intellectually it makes sense, but how often do we see it in practice? So Lee, can you tell me a little bit about maybe what you could see as an interview red flag, like as a job searcher, what could you be looking for that could indicate that you might be walking into kind of a toxic workplace? Oh, great question. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I probably have a hundred, you know, videos on this on social, uh, because uh, I am a toxic interview survivor uh, myself. I have really put myself through some shit, like professionally, like I have, uh, you know, I have all these hilarious stories, some I've shared, uh, you know, where I'm, I'm the one being interviewed and why I put up with, you know, uh, the things I did in the past. I have no idea, oh but uh, I don't oh, foresee yeah, that in my about- future. I'm just remembering the one that you recently posted that was like, hey, um, can you explain this gap in your resume? And you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't have a fucking job. Exactly. What about why you don't have people? Why are people leaving? That yeah. Was- what about the gap in your staff? Can you explain <laughs> that? You know, <laughs> right. So I mean, good. it's like they think you so become good. a drug mule in three months or something. My God. you know, uh, Just give people access to work. Holy shit. Come on. Why are we making it so hard for people oh to survive? Oh, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know, so glaring red flags, you know, in an interview, uh, and an interview is so interesting because uh, 
I think there's a lot of, you know, fear around interviewing, of course, especially if it's not something you do all the time. And this happens, uh, you know, with folks that have been with an employer for a long time, perhaps, and, and kind of, you know, your older uh, workers, some may not even have resumes, and they're kind of, you know, deterred from interviewing because it's like, oh, I haven't done it in forever. Uh, but it's important to remember that really, an interview is just a conversation between two two parties. It really is. And so, you know, to that point, it's, you know, a back and forth. You know, as much as they're asking you questions, they're going to give you, hopefully, red flag if they don't, the opportunity to ask questions back. And all you're trying to suss out, literally, is whether you two can work with each other. Because if you are having an interview, you're already qualified to do the job. I can like legally, you know, hire you. It's fine. You meet the basic quals, whatever. No one's going to waste their time interviewing someone who doesn't meet the basic qualifications on the job or can do the job, right? So now all you're trying to figure it out is if it works or not. And you know what? Who cares if it doesn't? It may not. And so call a spade a spade because it's kind of like dating in a way. You're going to be committing your life here. They're going to be committing dollars behind you. There's a tit for tat here. There's reciprocity here. It's not one sided. And so if you go into it, like remembering that, like, oh, I want to make sure that I'm taken care of and I fit as well, just as, as just as much, if not more than whether they're trying to figure out whether that you'd fit in their team and their organization. It really takes the fear away. Right. Like, remember, the, the power is with the talent. You know what I mean? At any age, even someone that's completely new to the workforce, you are still it's a huge commitment both ways. So kind of kind of remember that. So, you know, a couple red flags is if you are asking questions and you don't get the the feeling that they're being authentic or genuine or they're trying to sidestep because any interviewer, any hiring manager, any organization worth their weight, they're going to want to share like the full gamut of what you're going to be walking into. They're going to respect you so much that they want you to know what you're about to experience and get into, good or bad, good and bad, right? So, I mean, I lay it all out. Right? Yeah. Um, like, here's what you can expect. You know, this is the great stuff and this is the not so great stuff. If you can deal with all of that spectrum, cool, we want you, right? Because you don't want someone to walk out the door. Exactly. Because this is all costing money and taking time, right? And you're trying to relieve, you know, folks in the organization that are suffering with the backfilling of, of work and all this and, uh, you know, so this matters. And so painting accurate pictures uh, is so important. Uh, if, if you get the sense that they're not respecting your time, uh, that's a huge red flag because that translates into the workplace itself. So this whole hiring process and recruitment process is just a peek into the employee experience. In fact, the employee experience potentially starts from that first reach out. From you, from you putting your resume in and applying to that job, all the way to, you, you know, you are an employee. Right? I mean, all of that's the employee experience. And so however you're being treated, if you know they're not responding, it's like dating. right? Courtship. They should be courting you hard, right? Hello. Maybe they're just this not that into stuff. you. Yeah, you exactly. know? So, then, so exactly. that's how they're going to be, though, when you're an employee. They're going to continue to treat you like shit. Nothing magic happens when you get on payroll, except now you're getting paid to be treated like shit, as opposed to being treated like shit during the recruitment process <laughs> yeah, for free. Exactly. You know what I'm exactly. saying? For so free. all of that oh, translates. God, right? All of that translates over. So major red flag. 
flags, if you're not being, if your time's not respected, guess what? That means they don't respect you, you know? So just know that's going to translate to your work experience and your employee experience with that employer. And that ain't good. You know what I mean? They're like red flag, parade of flags. Get out. Yeah. No, you're totally (laughs) right. I'm wondering what you think, because one thing that has irked me so much about the recent experiences I've had in the interview process with companies is that they expect me to do like a dissertation on their business problems before I get fucking paid a cent. And I'm like, when, at what point am I a consultant? Like at what point, like how many hoops? I am 40 years old. I know my shit. I've been in the corporate world for a long time. I know what I'm doing. How do you need to really see that I can put a PowerPoint together? Like, is this, is this actually necessary? And so uh, at what point do you view those sorts of exercises as toxic? Well, I think they are all toxic. I think, again, <laughs> I have a video on this. Oh, uh, you do? Like I missed I, like this I, one. No. Right? Like, I hate the case studies. I hate the special projects, uh, the papers, all of that. Again, free labor that that employers are exploiting their candidates for. And trust me, yes. that they're taking that brain trust and that expertise from their candidates and they're translating into the workplace. And I think that Dislike. that is... Oh, huge red flag. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that anymore. Again, I'm all about, you know, pro accessibility to work and the respect of candidates and their previous experiences and education and knowledge. You know, all of that translates into a new workplace, copy paste, right? Uh, And then you're just taught how to do a certain job or process in a new employer. But it's not like you're a total tabla rasa blank slate, never, never have done anything before. And so trust me, they know that and they are just exploiting the expertises and expertise and experiences of their candidates. And that is something so tech. That is something so, so oh, that is like that industry. And it is gross. It is so gross. And to me, I think it's intentionally exploitative. And it wouldn't surprise me if they already had like a preferred candidate for a job and they still do this to like 10 people to get ideas. And then they will give those ideas to that preferred candidate uh, when they come into the role and say, oh, we love these ideas from four. I know we got to breathe. Right. I mean, they legit do that. Like, that's OK. No, it's it's crap. Oh man, my basis cool. fears. Yeah. It's no, it cool. is. I mean, people are busy and exhausted and stressed. They're trying to make it work at their current job. And then you add this on top of the pile. That yeah, I think this. you should be paid to interview. I think employers I think should, should pay cut checks to candidates, especially when they get to two plus rounds of interviewing and especially when they have to do things like this. I mean, I've had an interview that lasted two days. I had a fly out for is back and I mean, it was just back to back dinner party. You name it. You know what I mean? And so if fit means that much to you, you should be paying for all of that by hour. Uh, you know what I mean? And so otherwise, it's just exploitative. But it gives you a sense. Again, red flag. It tells you flat out. Trust it. You're witnessing it. It tells you flat out what an organization values and how they will treat you, value you or not when you are actually on payroll. So if they're okay exploiting all these people and stealing ideas, what are they going to do when you get inside? It means you're going to produce work and your boss is going to put their name on it. Yeah, (laughs) you're so right. Oh my God. That's how that translates. And it's okay to them to do that because we're a family here. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Speaking of which, for me, that's the biggest red flag of all. If someone says we're family, I'm like Mm -hmm. grateful if they say it before I accept the job offer because I'm like, I'm out. 
no thanks. We're not a family. We are not a family. You're going to ax me like without a second. Like that is, ooh, ooh. No family talk. Yeah, no family right. Talk. Exactly. Oh, awful. So Lee, one thing that I've noticed in interviewing is that typically when I go to the initial sort of recruitment, a recruiter sort of gatekeeper, are you not a psychopath call, you know, which is what I typically assume those really are. A phone is, screen. Maybe I'm wrong. A phone screen. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, can you carry on a conversation like a normal human being? Like that's how I usually view those. Are you I real? Do, are you real? <laughs> yeah, are you AI yeah. generated? Exactly. Are you a bot? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you never know these days. You never but, do. Uh, <laughs> I have noticed, though, when I go to those, typically the person with whom I'm speaking is junior to me by a long shot. And I've spoken with my friends who are far older than I am, you know, looking at tech jobs now. And they've told me that this is the case and that they might not even see someone anywhere within spitting distance of their age until they're far, far down the interview process, if ever. <laughs> and so I'm wondering, like, do you have advice for people who are going into these situations who are older and might be faced with someone who looks very different from them and how they can overcome their anxiety around like, oh, maybe this person's not going to see me as a culture fit, which is the term I despise, by the way. But um, what would you say to those people who might find themselves in that situation with a very junior person? Yeah, well, what I'd say is, you know, especially if it's a phone, a phone screen, you know, just as an <laughs> FYI, the majority of Right. The majority of those, uh, you know, professionals doing that job are, are you know, HR coordinators, recruitment coordinators. Um, this is the first, uh, perhaps, you know, the first professional job they they may have had. Right. And uh, and they're really doing a very, you know, heavy administrative type of role where they may be phone screening a hundred people a day plus, right? Depending on the industry, depending on the positions that they're hiring for. And so I would say, you know, diversity works both ways, right? I mean, if you if you want to be respected for your age, definitely respect that individual as well, regardless, right? And so a lot of times those more, you know, green or junior employees will give the feedback that they weren't even treated with respect on these calls. They were that dismissed, right? Terrible. And That's so it's it, so it's wonderful when you just have two professional people just having a professional conversation. And as a candidate, you know, definitely treat every single interaction with the company as an interview, number one, right? So treat anyone and everyone with respect and dignity. I've definitely heard stories and I've been part of a situation too, where like the driver of a car or the elevator person or the, the janitor was actually a hiring manager plant or, you know, someone on the recruitment team just, you know, trying to figure out if this candidate treats someone with dignity and respect at all levels in an organization. So it's very, very important uh, to do that, right? Uh, hopefully you value that the way I value that, right? It's a, but that's definitely the advice I would uh, that I would give. You know, is just to respect that more junior employee, uh, and, and and really cross your fingers and hope that they have that same sort of frame of mind. So again, you can't control anybody else; you can only control yourself. Uh, but you biasing somebody else, of course, I think gives more, uh, you know, a chance for them to then bias you back, right? Because they yeah, felt yeah. disrespected and whatever, you know. Uh, but again, any interaction action from a talent acquisition, recruitment, hiring perspective, it's all about the chemistry. 
And so there is, I do understand where that worry comes from on, ooh, well, how can I connect with somebody younger? Uh, but just remember that, you know, if you are an older, more seasoned employee, perhaps you are mentoring others. Uh, you have perhaps children. They could be that same age. Uh, you have nieces, nephews, people in your lives, friends or whatever that are going to be similar like age. You know how to relate to people at every yeah. single age, just like you know how to relate to people 20 years older than you. You know what I mean? So it's the same sort of thing. Remember, it's just a conversation and connection with another human being and just go into it just with like that respect uh, and professionalism mind mindset. You know what I mean? And I think you'll you'll get a lot further and just really as much as you can. Uh, again, whether the the uh, the phone screener is, is junior or not, it's your job as the candidate to try and translate everything on your resume and everything you've ever done in your life, uh, you know, to what's applicable to that new organization. So you're creating those connections. You're painting the scene and the picture for that person. Uh, you're connecting all the dots for them. You know what I mean? And so connect the dots for that junior employee, you know? Uh, so you, you, you may even help them with that, right? You may help Great them point. understand the job even better because again, they exactly. probably got 20 different jobs they're recruiting for, yeah, right? So you can connect so those dots, you, you know? You can help them. That's absolutely you true. You can help them without you even them realizing them. that you're yeah, helping exactly. them. You're, the job Good said point. this and I have that and Let here's how I've done this. it. Yeah. You know, so, so true. do that and sell yourself. Right. And, and connect that. those dots. Yeah. And just don't get in your own way. Like, don't put these thoughts in your, I mean, it's hard sometimes to get them out of your head, right? They're subconscious. They, they come up, but smash them down, own your expertise, own your experience. I think that's for sure the way to go. Um, Lee, for those of us who find ourselves in toxic workplaces, what is your advice on how to get the F out? <laughs> I know. Right, right. Boy, and boy, that is the $20,000 question, right? (laughs) Uh, I myself have had to do that. and, And many of us have in our careers, right? But, you know, the the number one piece of advice, advice that I would give is that you have got to accept the reality that you're in. And, and oftentimes, we do not you know, because change is hard and the unknown is hard, you know, better the enemy, you know, like you kind of hear those sorts of phrases, right? But if you don't accept the reality that you're in, and what I mean by that is if you're not honest with how you're really feeling and what you're not receiving and how you're not thriving and, you know, the people around you that don't value you and you don't perhaps value them back. If you're not honest about that and accepting of that reality, you will never be spurred to action. You will never take the actions required to get out of that workplace. We lie to ourselves every day. We say things like, oh, well, if only the boss gets a new job and moves to Nicaragua, everything would be fine. <laughs> right? It's totally going to happen really soon. Just keep waiting. You know? Right? It's if only happen. all of these people win the lottery uh, and then they all <laughs> leave and that then then I'll be fine right if they change the work location and 50,000 policies here then it would be a real fit for me uh, none of that shit is going to happen. Okay. Like, and just <laughs> pretend it's not yeah. pretend it's not accept the reality today and pretend that the reality that you're in today is the forever reality. And so if you tell yourself that, that nothing's going to change and this is the forever reality, what would you then do different? Because I bet you would do something different as opposed to say optimistically hopeful that all oh, these 20,000 things are going to change. So then you can be comfortable finally. 
You yes. know what I and mean? Don't, don't throw good time after bad either. It's like cut your losses. Sometimes it's just not a fit. You got to move on and get out of that toxicity. Yeah. And to your point, you know, if it is really bad and it is really toxic, fuck the two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Save yourself. Because yeah. as someone that has seen just the most tragic things, unaliving, uh, violence, crime, you know, because of where I sit, you know, in an HR capacity, it is not worth it. It is not worth it if you're if you're engaging in self-harm, you're having, you know, uh, thoughts, all of this, which happens from a so workplace, sad. from a job. It happens. It's it happens too much. It is heartbreaking. It's horrific. But just leave. You know, if you're not in that situation, you just don't you just know that it doesn't fit. It's not it's not suiting you and all of this. I highly recommend deciding what's next before you leave. Right. So that you feel more in control. Right. And that that what's next may be retirement or a break or a whole new career transition and job industry location, you name it. But trying to get your your kind of your mind ready, it helps you manifest that to actually be. You know what I mean? So, so deciding true. what's next before you leave, if you can, and I hope that you can, you know, is is very advantageous. Yes, it is. It sure is. And I think infusing as much humor and levity into situations and knowing that you're not alone. Like I, I know you've had many people reach out to you and tell tell you their horror stories, right? Oh yeah. And you, you showcase them on your on your channels, on your social media channels. So I definitely want to encourage everybody in the audience to go and check you out on the social. So I'm gonna Thank put them you. all in the show notes. Oh my gosh, you're hilarious. I mean, I have loved loved your content so much because it's giving voice to the masses who are feeling this right and it's just adding humor like we're, we're all in this shit together you know and it's not we just are. you you're not alone and um you know and you also have a lot of really great advice like you said you do coaching within these comedy videos that are that's really constructive it's it's very helpful so i think we can all not only laugh a lot by looking at your content but we can also learn a lot so i'm just so mm. grateful that you made the time to be here and Thank you so much for joining me. Yes, well, I'm honored to be here with you, and I'm honored that you know you you enjoy the content, and sure, yeah. uh, and you invited me to be here uh, because of that. And and like I said, my hope, uh, you know, is to to just help others, you know, and yeah. and and I hope that the content helps others and resonates with others, and and really just kind of spurs them to action to take yeah. better care of themselves first. You know, I think it really is working. So thank you. Thank you yeah. for your service. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> so fantastic. And, and spoiler alert for those of you who love Lee, good news is she is going to be a podcaster herself in the relatively near future. So we'll make sure that we put the show notes updated with your show once it's out there. So. Yes. Well, thank you so much for that yeah. shout out. I'm excited. Uh, you know, I definitely, you know, I don't know if I've got a face for TV, but I got a voice for podcasting. I know that much. You, you got know, it all. You oh, girl. All. You have an excellent voice. You could, I could listen to you. You could read me bedtime stories. It would work. Right. Well, ASMR. So. ASMR. Maybe that's what the podcast is. I don't know. We'll see. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Lee. This was so much fun. Thank you, Mo. All the best to you. Thanks for joining us today at It Gets Late Early. I hope this episode was insightful and entertaining. Now, before you go, if you're old and work in tech, just like me, I have something really cool for you. We're putting together a job board specifically for seasoned tech workers, where we'll curate the best opportunities for experienced tech talent. 
If you want a place to look for work where you can trust there won't be so much bias in the hiring process, go to itgetsleteearly.com and sign up so you'll be the first to know when we launch it. Thanks and see you next time.